On today's episode of Peak Too Early, the boys finally weigh in on the running shoe controversy. We have an interview with marathoner Noah Drotti, and we reminisce about a great year, 2019. We had a lot of fun. And do us a favor. Don't forget to rate us, subscribe to our podcast, and tell a friend. Thanks. Let's get it started. This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing. Featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Gendron, and I am joined by Mike Gendron, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I am enjoying myself one last night before 2020. 2020 is the year of the comeback. It's the year of the good diet. It's the year of the less beers. It's the year of injury prevention. We are making 2020 a big one. I've been eating like an idiot all day. I had some leftover <laughs> pizza. I had some cheesecake leftover from Christmas because, you know, I got to get it in now because Steve, it's, it's all 2019. Once that, yeah. once that clock kicks 2020, it's all a race and we can start over. That's right. You're the comeback, baby. Yep. And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good, gentlemen. My colleague today told me that she had given up drinking, not for 2020, but just right now. And I was like, this is like the best time of the year. This is when you get to do all your vices to the max. It's New Year's Eve Eve right now when we're recording this. <laughs> I'm not working tomorrow. I'm stoked. I'm going skiing. Uh, you're like coming off fridge full of Christmas leftovers and just junk food. And I got Christmas cookies, you know, everywhere in my apartment. And it's great. So um, just just really excited about this time of year. I love it. Calories. Christmas calories don't count. And, January and, 1st. Oh, I got to keep going. It's like an ice storm right now in Boston, you know, so I can't go outside and run. So I guess I'm staying <laughs> in and eating more cookies and drinking more Miller Lite. It was the best news of the day. It was it's too icy, you know, get all these warnings like weather alerts. Too icy. People are like slipping, falling. I don't want to I don't want to break a collarbone. That's no good. Come uh, come January 2nd, you got to you got to purge all the stuff out of your fridge and, and start over, get some nice vegetables in there. I think I might even play like the purge music, you know, that you know, the, the purge one, the uh, uh, and I'll just go over and just start emptying stuff out of my fridge. Good, good point, though. On the second, people that try and start this up on the first are crazy. Oh, it's still a holiday. Because, it's still a holiday. Yeah, you're exhausted. You're tired. And then I got to come out and start these resolutions. No, the first is the first is true. I would say it doesn't start till like the Monday after the weekend after New Year's Eve because I'm coming back to a short work week after New Year's. It's only two days. And then I get the weekend. So I'm I'm going to extend my New Year's Eve all the way through the end of the weekend and start my New Year's resolutions <laughs> next Monday. That's actually Might a as well great, just push great it to take. February. <laughs> <laughs> push it to February. After the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. Um, oh, so we're, depends on who. Yeah, let's talk about something else. So we're going to start off today's episode the way we start off every episode. We're going to talk about a little bit of running news. Not a ton of news in the running world this week because it is the holidays and there's not much going on. The only thing out there right now is that the controversy around the Nike, you know, uh, Next Percent, you know, Vapor 5 shoes, Alpha 5, yeah. Yeah, has resurfaced. And the World Athletics is considering banning the shoes or putting some restrictions on the shoes. Um, So it says that the World Athletic Technical Committee that has been studying these shoes has drafted a rule that will limit the allowable thickness of the shoes midsoles. And, you know, this has been something this has been a controversy for almost like, you know, three, four months now. Um, And we haven't we've avoided talking about it. But I have a kind of I have a couple thoughts on it. I think it's important for us to kind of chat a little bit about it. Guys, what do you think about this? So I think my first thought is. It depends on what the rule actually says, right? We don't know what the what the rule will actually be and what the thickness of the shoe. And, and honestly, all that stuff is like way too over my head and too like way too nerdy running for me. But what I will say is I am so sick of people talking about these shoes as if they are some kind of like performance enhancing drug. And I have heard multiple people 
talk publicly about how and like from professional athletes to media personalities in the sport talk about how 2019 performances for you know stuff on the roads especially marathons for marathons this has been a huge year for marathons that these times shouldn't count and you know it's basically like kind of the old guard like oh yeah the the you can't compare these to the to the old school runners, this, that, and the other thing, and it's tainting the entire sport of running, and, and that drives me absolutely nuts. So I'm not saying that there shouldn't be some kind of rule. I, I agree that at some point, okay, we need to define, you know, where we go with these shoes, but I don't know. The whole the whole controversy to this point, I have had held the, the strong stance that I am on the side of the athlete's wearing the shoes and it's just another advancement in the technology of sports because that's what happens in sports. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that, Michael. Uh that's some that's some bullshit that people are like crediting the shoes for these performances. Um like you said, there's advancements in training strategies and nutrition and you know, people sleeping in these crazy like high altitude tents or whatever. People even just like being able to fly up and train in high altitude so easily, that sort of thing is making the real big differences. Um, but I thought I had an original point, but you also stole it from me there too. There does need to be a rule. And I don't think the rules should ban like the vapor flies or whatever as they are now. I, I can't imagine that big of a difference. And the other running shoe companies are going to create their own version in the next 12 months. So I'm not worried about this being like Nike dominating everything. But technology is so crazy. There's going to be advancements that we don't even can't even predict. And, you know, at some point they got to sit down, come up with a rule of what's allowed on these runners feeds for these times account. Um I don't know if the vapor flies are that problematic as is, but I support them, you know, putting something in, in rule because it, who knows what's going to be out there next, and you got to be able to draw a line somewhere. I am so sick and tired about hearing about these goddamn shoes. Like, for the love of God, <laughs> like the you look back in 2019, and to the people that don't pay close attention to the sport, there are two major storylines. First is, you know, around Alberto Salazar. And the second is around, you know, regulations on these stupid shoes. And it stinks. It is so bad for the sport. Yes, governing bodies, go ahead. Make make rules around thickness or you can or can't use these technologies. Make hard and fast guidelines that the shoe companies can follow. But stop, like, wasting everybody's time. Stop making this a news story. I mean, stuff like this happens all the time in a sport like golf. For instance, there's always new technologies happening in golf and people are always trying to get an edge. And the in the clubs that people are using today are light years ahead of where they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, so like companies are always pushing the envelope and the governing bodies are saying, OK, you can do this. You can't do this. And it's just they're always kind of setting the guidelines and rules for these companies to follow. And if a new technology comes out, they examine it and they make a rule on it on it quickly. That's what our sport should do. Like, let's just figure out what the guidelines are and let's stop complaining about it. Let's stop talking about it. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about regulations on running shoes and how the shoes are changing the sport and making athletes, you know, giving athletes an unfair advantage. I'm done with it. And, and we need to keep growing the sport. Something we've talked about forever now. That has been the premise of this show. And we live in a great time where records are falling left and right. I mean, in the last year or two, we have seen the men's and the women's marathon world record go down records that were 20 30 40 years old i mean it's an awesome time to be a fan of running and it's like when instead of the headlines of these marathons being you know we are seeing fast times we are seeing one of the greatest ages of marathon ever all the headlines are alpha flies vapor flies the shoes should they be wearing these shoes it's like all right if the rule comes out and draws the line then that's fine. But at the time that they ran these marathons, they weren't against the rules. They were taking every advantage that they could get within the rules, which, I mean, if you're a competitor, shouldn't that be what you're doing? And, I mean, these are incredible athletes. Like, people don't think – there are actual people out there who think that Kipchoge is, you know, not an all-time marathoner because he lived in this generation of – you know, technology and different, it's like, get out of here. It's so ridiculous. And it is so bad for the sport. People don't even know Kipchoge's name. They just know the the pair of shoes that he's running. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. 
So, I mean, there's a reason we've kind of avoided talking about this just because we think it's dumb and we don't want to talk about, we don't want it to dominate the the running news, but it's, it's kind of out there now. And there's, again, there's not a whole lot going on this week, but it's something that we wanted to talk a little bit about. And I think, you know, I think we're going to try to avoid talking about it going forward, but hopefully, you know, we can, they can just move forward. They can make the rules. You can use this, this material. You can't use this material. It can be this thick. It can't be this thick. And then just allow the companies to advance, allow them to make the, the products that are going to be best for the runners. If Steve, to your point there, when you said there's not a whole lot going on in the sport right now, it's amazing because uh, we've talked about it before, but for like, you know, the nine or 10 months that we've been doing this show now, we were shocked by there's just always something going on. There's always races to be had. There's always news to talk about. And I think we finally found like the down period for the sport of running. Right. I mean, this has been in the almost a year now that we've been doing this This has been by far the slowest month or two of the sport which not, is shocking not, like we, we thought we were like when we started it's like well what are we going to stop what are we going to talk about when nationals is over well, what are we yeah. going to talk about you know when worlds is over and it's just like it's a non-stop cycle of uh of running yeah. games, which is very cool not not a bad time to have your slow season just the christmas holiday season Definitely. and everybody's just more worried about their holiday parties than than worrying about running it's it's really these these running people they're smart yeah yeah well, um, let's get into one of my favorite interviews that we've done so far. It's our first professional marathoner that we've had on the podcast, Noah Drotty, um, who's he's he ran a 2:11 at Chicago this past fall, and he's one of the favorites kind of going into the Olympic marathon trials this February. So let's, let's get into it. Yeah. All right, so we welcome our first marathoner to the show today. We have Noah Drotti. Noah, welcome to Peak Too Early. All right, yeah, thanks for having me. So Noah, um, the first question I have for you today is, with all the sports in the world and with all the distances within our event, why did you pick the most miserable distance of them all? Um, the, the marathon picked me, I think. I was. Kind of, <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, I... I I kind of wanted to become a marathoner just because I felt like that was kind of the ultimate uh, destination for a professional distance runner. Like, um, obviously, there's some guys who can make a living running at the elite level in the 5K and 10K on the track. I was not one of those guys. And so if you're going to be racing on the roads, the marathon is kind of the marquee um, event. So that's really always where I wanted to be. Yeah. So one thing we talk a lot about on this show and kind of like the what our show is all about is we're trying to gain excitement for the sport of running. We're trying to get people who, you know, love sports, love running to follow the sport like they would, you know, football or baseball or something like that. And I don't know, in my mind, I feel like the marathon is going to be something that's really hard for us to crack into, right? Because it is, unless you are super, one of those super, super into running people like we are, the marathon, it's a tough event to follow, so what 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 can we do to to get people excited about this event? What are what are do you have any ideas about you know trying to raise excitement outside of just the you know stretch running world, distance running world, people? Yeah, I mean I think the the actual coverage of the races themselves kind of um, you know it, it's asking people not to take the marathon seriously. Definitely. Um, you know when you're watching the broadcast of the Chicago Marathon and like you know a world record is happening in the women's race or whatever, but they will continuously cut to a human interest story, um, which is, you know, which like, I'm not against human interest stories in the right context or whatever, but I feel like it's like, okay, there are these like freaks running super fast, but also (laughs) like, let's go talk to whoever the, uh, can I, like whoever the fuck, yeah, go for it, you know, and we got the explicit tag. All right. Um, (laughs) and so, yeah, I just feel like we're kind of asking people to be like, to look at the marathon as kind of a freak show instead of, uh, you know, definitive sporting event. And so I really think that's where, I think that's where it starts. I I totally agree with you because, you know, some of that time should really be filled with, all right, let's, let's uh, take Noah Drotty in the the people around him and let's compare them. Let's, you know, try and figure out like who's battling each other and, you know, not just focus in on who's leading the race, who's winning the race, but let's take these individual battles along the race and kind of scope that out and put up stats and and try and get people interested in seeing 
you know, not just what is the winner going to run and, you know, what are all like the, the personal life of these people, but let's, let's get into finding out who these people are who are putting themselves out there for two hours competing against each other. Yeah, I mean, there are really so many stories at play. I mean, it's a drama in like a thousand parts, right? I right. mean, even, you know, even Chicago Marathon this year, there was obviously like a very compelling race going on at the front, but there was also like something historic happening just in the American men's race, in right. addition to a women's world record. I mean, people talk about like, how can we keep, how can we keep fans engaged for two hours? I'm like, <laughs> Two hours is nothing. I mean, there is so much stuff to talk about if people did their research and kind of got the go-ahead from the broadcasting organizations. I just watched eight hours of football yesterday. Two hours is nothing. Yeah, no one, no one, no one is sitting there like, oh, football is – so the format needs to change. You know, no one can stay interested for a four-hour football game, you know. But So running – I mean, it's kind of – it's one of the things that makes the sport very, very unique in the sense where it is a participation sport. You know, people can line up on the same marathon that you line up on on, you know, the day of the Chicago marathon. Um, so that's a beautiful part about it. And we can kind of embrace this participation, you know, um, you know, the the great stories that kind of come along with the, you know, the everyday runner. But I feel like the pendulum has swung too far in that direction. And we need to get back to the elite athlete and the competition and treating it like a sport. Yeah, I, mean, I think the golden rule is that you just you should never dumb down the content because you think the audience isn't interested. Like you keep broadcasting at a high level, you know, talk about the sport in an educated way and people, the fan base will rise to that level. Um, I think that's true in a lot of sports. You, you won't ever turn on a football game and, and hear the announcer be like, OK, well, there's two teams here <laughs> and one of the teams is from Chicago and this guy's going to hand the football to this guy. You, you never hear that kind of talk in a in a football game. And I think running should just broadcast itself in a professional way. So how are you? How are you? Uh, so you had a you had a massive uh, PR recently. Um, you're kind of one of the favorites going into the Olympic trials. How are you feeling right now? Not so good, <laughs> to, to be totally honest. And, uh, you know, I haven't really talked. I've, I've hinted, about, hinted at it on my Instagram a little bit, but um, I've pretty much been injured since the Chicago Marathon. Um, I didn't come off it well. I've had a knee injury ever since, and I just I haven't been able to train in the way that somebody should with the Olympic trials coming up. So, I mean, obviously, like, I feel really good about having a huge PR in my, like, rear view mirror and like in recent history um but coming off of it did not go as smoothly as i had hoped and is this an injury that you feel like you're going to be able to to pull yourself out of and, and get ready for these trials or is this something that you know the the long-term effects are are you know not something that you're going to be able to get up for the uh, trials um i have some difficult decisions to be made soon that I can't really talk about yet. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Yeah. So I'll have to leave it at that, but you know, I'm, I'm obviously not like super stoked that the trials are in nine weeks and I'm still, you know, not at full capacity. Yeah. Listen, I mean, we, we have all, the three of us separately had injuries that have taken us out of big competitions, you know, not, not comparable to you because the Olympic trials are a 10 times bigger stage, a hundred times bigger stage than I can ever imagine to, to be on. But I think any serious runner out there can empathize and sympathize with how bad that sucks to all you want to be, do, you, you know, you already put in the work, you clearly just came off a of PR and you are, you know, ready to go. And it just sucks when, you know your willingness your 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 hard work is all there the one thing that's not there is your body not cooperating i mean so i i feel for you man i, I really do thanks dude and yeah absolutely like i've been injured before i've missed stuff before i'm totally aware that injuries happen it's just like you know the so the beautiful thing about professional running and running in general is like there's always another race right you can always push back you can always just like refocus but there are some things on the running calendar that are like non-negotiable, right? Like if you're signed up for a marathon, it's happening on that day. The Olympic yep. trials are happening every four years. And so managing the timeline has been pretty frustrating. I think I'm pretty at peace with how things are going now. Um, but yeah, the timelines ha add a whole new uh, dimension of stress to the whole situation. 
So when you are ready to to talk a little bit more about it, um, just give us a call and we'll do another podcast. We'll break some news on Peak Too Early that you'll be yeah. on the line or open the line. So, so don't forget about us there. I thought um, that would be cool to do, but I uh, just can't quite do it yet. <laughs> uh, so you you also battled, I think, some injuries throughout the summer, right, leading up to the big breakthrough at Chicago. Um, what was the the mindset that that powered you through that and got you to the awesome shape that you were in to run so fast in Chicago? I, I would say that I, I did pretty much the bulk, like the meat of the buildup for Chicago, like very healthy. Um, and so I didn't miss any time for like a severe injury there. But in the <clears throat> like before the buildup even started, I've been dealing I have a Haglund's deformity on uh, both of my heels. And so I've had Achilles trouble um, for years now. And it's a pretty constant um, pain uh, when I'm training. And so sometimes it gets really bad and it was really bad uh, after the Rotterdam marathon and before Chicago. And so, you know, to be honest, there's just not a whole lot I can do for that. And so it was more of just like a mental shift of being like, okay, this is going to be miserable most of the time, but I can manage it because I can still run well. It's just, it's just not, you know, comfortable all the time. Man, this sport is so crazy. I mean, I, I love this sport. I mean, we all ran in college, like we're we're big fans of it. But it's like when you think about it, it's a sport of like it's a sport of pain management. And it's just going out there and seeing how much pain you can take over a certain distance. It's crazy, man. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why we do this to ourselves. Yeah, it's totally brutal. And, you know, I dealt with injuries all through, you know, college and even before I like turned pro or whatever. And now as a 29 year old, I'm starting to realize like the cumulative toll that running really hard very often takes but you know it's totally worth it <laughs> like it's totally worth it well uh we we recently decided that the three of us were going to hop on a plane and we're going down to Atlanta for the trials so whether you're uh, you're running we're going to be cheering you on if you decide you're not going to run then uh you know you can come have a couple beers with us do a little bar crawl around the around uh, Atlanta during the during the trials I can say definitively that I will be there. So we'll okay. work that out. Yeah. Nice. All right, cool. So one thing I've always found interesting, and I think it goes along with what we were talking about earlier, but how it's hard to break people into the sport. But I think that the athletes that find themselves being able to to gain a, a you know a following and um, get you know get a fan base are the 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 ones that can separate themselves from the crowd and not just be your your average everyday runner. And I think image plays a lot into that. And I think you have done a great job with your image and your personality, putting yourself out there and, you know, kind of separating. How much does, you know, your hair and your beard play into, is that just kind of you and you being yourself or is that you trying to create an image for yourself? Uh, that's me just being myself, which is kind of yeah. why I've never really understood the fixation on it. Um, I mean, I, I totally get like that picture of me at the track trials in 2016, like, yeah, I look like I just ashed a blunt, you know, and, and, like, stepped, <laughs> and stepped on the track or whatever. But um, that's just kind of how I always looked. And so when I got as much attention as I did then, I was just like, okay, that's kind of weird. And it really it's continued ever since then, which is fine. And like, you know, yeah. I'm definitely grateful for being, you know, for the people who recognize me for how I look, I guess, because it's definitely helped me in my career. Um, but it was never a conscious uh decision to create an image i think that would have been kind of uh weird how how often do you get like uh you know if you just cut your hair you might take like six or seven seconds off your pr oh uh, like every day <laughs> yeah definitely every day uh going off the image question with the the hats you're known kind of for kind of having a, a wide variety of hats uh break that down for me because i'm a big where like running with a hat for, for big races so do you have like go-to hats? It seems like you mix it up a lot. Do they have to be like the slick runners one, or can you just wear like a you know a snapback baseball cap? What's going on with the hat situation? Um, they're mostly just kind of whatever I happen to have in the closet at any particular time. It's not really a conscious decision uh, that goes into it. I mean, obviously now I either have to run in something unbranded or a sock and he had just because of my affiliations, but. Um, yeah, it was really a utilitarian choice because uh, my hair is like super long and, you know, you like will literally choke on it if it's not <laughs> being held back. And so, uh, yeah, I just kind of grab whatever I see, throw it in the race bag. It's it's not something I think about too much. What about hat versus sweatband? Because I know you're known for having some cool like retro sweatbands out there. 
I will rock a sweatband every now and then, and there's no rhyme or reason to it, I guess. It, I, I, I catch like a little bit more shit for the sweatbands, and so like the hat is usually <laughs> the safer choice. Um, yeah, but it's kind of what's on top of the pile sometimes. We're looking for like this deep secret, like you no, know, sorry, listeners. Trent is the is the look good, feel good, run good guy of the podcast. So he's yeah. always trying to pull out like the different <laughs> styles. Like he he could be in terrible shape, but he's like, all right, I got this style going into this race. It's gonna make me run good. <laughs> oh, that's definitely a vibe. Definitely. <laughs> mustache earrings you know the socks whatever i can do to get a little crazy <laughs> let's go <laughs> so now no you have a a really cool story in the sense that you you, you start off as a, as a d3 runner um you actually after everybody's done listening to this podcast you got to go check out noah's uh podcast a uh, d3 uh glory glory days glory days, yeah, glory days. <laughs> come on sorry, sorry. <laughs> go check out d3 glory days but, you know, starting off in D3, when did you kind of know that you had a shot to to go pro and kind of, you know, make this uh, a career? Uh, when I was maybe 25 and moved out here and put up a really good half marathon time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, running professionally was never, ever on my radar in college. Um, you know, even in my collegiate career, I far exceeded my expectations and I was very like at peace with um, what I was able to accomplish in college. And I graduated not really knowing what professional running was and pretty much ready to hang it up. Um, and so I, what I was like 22 when I graduated, I moved to Boulder three and a half, three and a half years later. And that's really when the time of my life, I was 20, 25, 26. And I was like, okay, you know, running is really what I want to be doing. Um, how can I make this, kind of the centerpiece of my life. Um, and that's what I did. And I did that without expectations of going pro because, you know, my half marathon PR when I moved to Boulder was 68 minutes. Um, you know, you, you'd have to be like a little crazy to think that you are professional running material with that, with that kind of time. But I was just really lucky that I moved out here and I actually had more potential than I had given myself credit for and I worked really hard, changed my lifestyle and, and then it became a possibility, but it was really never a goal I was working towards. I just wanted to break 65 and a half and like figure out where my potential ended. Um, and I got really lucky. Yeah, now it is a very cool story and I, we really do love what you're doing with your podcast. It's super cool because the three of us were all D2 uh, runners. So, you know, we kind of get the, the idea of, you know, there's a lot of untold stories in D2 and even more in, in D3. So to be able to kind of share, um, you know, the not, it's not just the D1 professional runner, like, you know, best of the best that have great stories to tell. So it, it is a cool concept what you guys are doing there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the podcast because we're hearing from people who were not studs in high school. Like they got to college and didn't even necessarily graduate college as studs, but they just gained momentum in running over a right. long period of time and really developed a love of running that I think you see more in uh, Division three grads and probably Division two grads just because they're really not as burnt out on the sport as by the time they graduate college. Definitely. Yeah, big, big shout out to D2 and D3. One of the, the things I think that a lot of people don't realize when they're coming out of high school is um, like all these teams can still go to the same races and you can line up next to these big D1 schools. Um, and that just this is D1 doesn't mean it's like a stronger or better environment or program for you. So um, just just trying to plug to all the high schoolers listening that, that you know, Stonehill <laughs> College or other D2 or, or DePaul University. These are some good programs out there as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Um, you know, if I would not have gone to a Division three school, I would not I wasn't good enough to run in any division one program, really, at least any division one program that I would have actually gone to, um, in Indiana. And so it's, it's division three is the only reason that I'm still competing. Cause I would have quit for sure. Yeah. In, in D2, we had this cool saying, uh, I chose D2. Did you guys have any, uh, cool, fun <laughs> mottos in D3 that made you feel really important? <laughs> I, the D3 one is maybe even worse. The hashtag was, uh, why D3? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> but it, but yeah, it like, you bad. know, like, why D3? Like, period. Not like, why D3? Like, uh, <laughs> no yeah, oh, but it's bad. <laughs> it, you know, it just like lends itself to That's being just, made fun of. 
asking people to like paint a question mark over every time you see that symbol. i know that's we gotta get with the marketing department <laughs> yeah right uh speaking of marketing departments you yourself are a, a great marketing department um i watched what i thought was a hysterical video uh today where it was before i think your first um your debut in the marathon chicago and you were going around just asking people for advice and you had some like you know, legit runners in there, and then you're just asking, like, the Joe Schmoes of the world. Um, I just, this is not even a question, but a request. Please keep doing that, because, you like, I feel like that's never-ending gold of you going around just asking random people, like, what should I do in this marathon, or, you know, is it going to hurt, that type of thing. I loved it. Yeah, that was with uh, Runner's World, and they, they kind of, we they just, like, found me in the hallway, and they were like, hey, you want to do this? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. I mean, we got nothing else to do. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of fun, and, like, kind of a cool way to connect with people, because, like one thing I found doing that is like they were all like just as nervous and like just as dialed in as I was. Um, and the thing was, I re- they really did have like way more marathon experience than I did because I'd never run one. Um, so it kind of lent itself to being a funny situation. It was great. <laughs> and then along with the, your running career, it looks like you got a uh, budding career as a musician. You've been posting some uh, pictures on your Instagram. You're just rocking out on stage. Yes. Well, I mean, music was really my first uh, passion, like way back before running. I was in bands uh, through high school and then early into college, like, you know, bands that were playing out consistently and recording our own music and stuff. So that was really the thing that I loved to do um, way, way before I loved running. And, uh, you know, I just kind of fell out of it over the years, stopped playing with people. But my um, massage therapist, uh, Marcus, who plays in the band Barry Mia, which is the band I was playing with, um, just invited me a couple weeks ago. I think he knew I was kind of bummed out just with the injury and just needed to do something else. And so he was like, Hey man, you should come, uh, you should come play a couple songs with us. And I was like, okay. You know, like I still play, I still play guitar just for me, but I hadn't played out in, I don't know, almost eight or nine years probably. And, uh, but as soon as I plugged in the guitar and like everyone else got going, like it just all came back and I was like, I just had a great time. It was awesome. I think you need to find a way to combine your, uh, you know, endurance as a runner with your music. Like maybe you could write like the longest song ever written or something, right? Like a, <laughs> a, a two hour and 11 minute song. That's Valid. what people want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh man. Hey, Noah, this has been a uh, ton of fun. Thank you so much for coming on, but we end every interview with a game. Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right. So down the home stretch, rapid fire questions on a specific topic. And uh, since you are a fellow podcaster, that is going to be your topic for down the home stretch. So Trent is going to ask the first question, and your 90 seconds are going to start with Trent's question. All right, now if you were interviewing yourself today, uh, what would you have asked that, that we didn't cover? Um, what I had for breakfast. What did you have for breakfast? Oatmeal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in every uh, piece on No, there's always like the, the breakfast breakdown. So. <laughs> Noah, how many of your older relatives have you had to explain how to use iTunes to? Um, the parents, so two. <laughs> okay. As we discussed earlier, we are uh, pretty terrible with the technology piece of this podcasting thing. How are you at the technology? Um, I think we got it dialed in today, but this, this, these are new innovations for me with the microphone <laughs> in, the last, in the last few days. So I give myself a slightly below average. <laughs> Better than us. Um, how do you remember what time zone you're in so that you don't miss scheduled recordings? Cause that's a problem for me. I just make everybody else adapt to my time zone. That's I'll start doing that. Yeah. <laughs> do you listen to your own podcast? Um, yes and no. I will, uh, I will sometimes listen to them sped up just to make sure there's nothing like egregious in there. Um, but if the recording went smoothly, then usually I will not listen to it. All right. Uh, great our interview today. B plus. Well, nice. B plus. All right. I'll take hey, that passing. Yeah. Hey, How- anything above that, you're trying too hard. <laughs> Trent, hit him with the last question. Oh, last question. Here we go. Uh, this is me stalling as my computer broke down and I lost all my questions <laughs> I was going to ask. But uh, how about this? Uh, who had the best questions for you? Uh, oh. Well, God, now now this is me trying to remember all of your names after we just met. You can say you Trent. can just say Mike. Yeah, Mike is, is a good answer. Yeah, Mike Mike nailed it. 
Thanks, I know. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, this was awesome. Thank you so much, and uh, and good luck over the next uh, next couple months. We'll be cheering for you. All right. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And that interview was brought to you by the Irish Clover Five Miler in Drakeit, Massachusetts, on March eighth. Guys, this is going to be a fun race. The prize is $250 to the male and female win- winner presented by the Peak Too Early podcast. So if you guys are looking for a fun race in March, um, get out there and join us. Or even if you're just looking for a way to kind of help support the, the Peak Too Early podcast and show us that, you know, you kind of you like what we're doing and you want to see you want to see it keep going. Um, the, the Irish Clover Road Race is, is how you do that. That should be your 2020 uh, New Year's resolution is to get yourself in shape for the Irish Clover 5 Miler, Steve. Or, or not in shape. You can walk or it. Not yeah, show you up. don't have to run it fast. <laughs> just show up, buy a ticket, don't even run it. Just drink some beer during <laughs> it. <laughs> it's going to be a fun after party, I promise. Guys, that was a that was a lot of fun talking to uh, to Noah. I'm you know really rooting for him. Hopefully, you know he can pull it together and and and, and get out there on race day. Um, but if not, maybe we'll, we'll we'll find some time to party with him down in Atlanta. Either way, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. So the second half of the episode today, we just kind of wanted to reflect a little bit and kind of talk about 2019. And I just wanted to say to the listeners that if you guys are with us in year one, if you're if you're a listener in 2019, you're kind of one of the OGs. You're you're one of the you're one of our original listeners. You're one of the people that really helped us kind of grow this. I mean, this started off as a joke. It started as a joke. We got a couple people listening. People liked what we were doing. We started getting on some uh, some big name athletes, and they liked what we're doing. We decided to keep it going, and uh, we're having a lot of fun doing this, and, and we're going to keep it going. So, um, thank you. I just want to say thank you for for being a listener in our first year, and um, you know, uh, be ready because we got some big stuff coming in the future. Yeah, I think the the biggest takeaways from 2019 was, I think we started to to grow what we were trying to do and, and kind of create our vision. And I think we are always improving, right? We always are changing kind of our style and, and adapting and, and trying to get better at what we're doing. And, and I think the, the mission has always been the same, right? The mission has always been, how do we grow this sport? How do we get people excited about it? And how do we kind of change the culture of this sport a little bit? And I think the more we learn about, you know, through talking to professional athletes, through kind of testing out what works and what doesn't work is we're getting a little bit closer. We still got a long way to go and a lot of work to do because it's not going to be an easy mission. But I feel like our mission is still strong. And yeah, I'm excited to see what happens in 2020 because just in, in this short time, how far we've come, I think 2020 has got some big things ahead. I don't know. I feel like we're already pretty perfect, so I'm not sure how much <laughs> there is to grow. Having said that, uh, a big shout out to everyone that's been listening in 2019. An even bigger shout out to anyone that listened to the first, you know, five podcasts or so <laughs> yeah, and right? still listening because some of the some of the, like the most ridiculous things I think I've ever said, you know, were, were on those first podcasts. <laughs> those are wild times. That was some wild. Times. It was the Wild West back then. <laughs> it was. I've been I've been begging Mike to take down like the first five episodes because they I are did. really. I did. They're, you they're did. Them. Okay. They're officially done. It was That's so bad. We had the lost episodes where yeah. we can like hold those as exclusive oh, yeah. content and then release them one day or something. But we, I, I think it's more, it's special edition are those first few episodes. That's right. We had to take them down because you know not that we said anything bad or anything. It was just people were finding out about us and they were you know here you know they they'd find out through somebody that we had on for an interview and they'd be like oh this is kind of cool and they'd go back to episode one and they'd listen to that thing and they'd be like oh I'm out and so we were losing listeners so we had to take it down. See, the funny thing is, though, I thought, like, the content of, you know, our pilot episode was pretty funny. Like, I thought we did a good job with it. It was just the audio was so unbearably bad that you couldn't even, you couldn't listen to the content at all. I think the content was perfect for our small circle of friends. Well, that's true, yeah. People that knew (laughs) us. I'm not sure how much that content would have spread if we just, like, kept you know, talking about uh, Joe Castiglione and the Red Sox <laughs> and me making, like, inappropriate jokes about, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, that's more, you know, we, we have a few friends that would, some hardcore fans, I'm not sure how it would grow. But that was important because 
you know, we had this idea and we had no idea how it was going to go. And I, in my head, I was like, we're never making it past three episodes. And then we got, we got on that kind of first episode and we're like, you know, the quality was shit, but we had some interesting, funny stuff to talk about. And I was like, Hmm, I think we might have something here. Yeah. And there was like points throughout the, the time when you think to yourself, you're like, Oh yeah, maybe we do it. Like there was a couple interviews you know, our first couple ones, we were still a little nervous trying to figure it out. But I remember, like, I'm trying to think of which interview it was. But there was an interview early on. It was, like, our third or fourth interview that we finished. And I was like, whoa. Like, that was actually that was actually pretty good. We actually did a pretty good job with that. And it was just moments like that along the way that make you realize, like, all right. All right. You know, there's something that we can – we got something going on here. The, the comments about the quality just getting better – I was thinking today where I was having some issues during the, the episode, um, the interview with Noah, and I was like, oh, maybe I should go to my iPad and just use that and hop on because my computer's giving me trouble. But I can't hook up my mic to my iPad. I, I, I wasn't going to do the interview without the microphone. Like, it would have sounded too bad. When back in the day, <laughs> I was, you know, winging it on just like my cell phone sometimes and all that stuff. It's the, the standard. Um, maybe it's too high, you know, it's, I can't keep up with it because my, my personal technology issues, but it's so much higher than it used to be. What was your guys' favorite interview from this past year? But that is a very difficult question. Cause there's like, there's been so many good ones. There has been, and I like different ones for different reasons, right? Like there's a couple of them that super early on, just like random people who we never would have thought to have talked to. Like I'm thinking about like, um, you know, like the Mac McLean, the the speed golfer. Yeah, yeah. And, um, Gabe Gilioni and Lewis yeah, Kent. Yeah, like those guys who were just so different and and people who I've you know never would have thought I'd be talking to or just disciplines that I never you know even have heard of it sometimes. Um, but then like I think. You know, obviously, Craig was Craig our was, a big one. was our biggest listen to episodes. That was pretty awesome. Um, I think like my most enjoyable oh, man. I thought the one with Josh Kerr and Brandon Kidder was fun because was fun. Yep. it was like the five of us on there just kind of like shooting the shit, and I enjoyed talking to them. I don't know. I feel like I every I'm scrolling through the interviews now, and every time I see a new one, I'm like, oh no, I think that one might be my favorite. So it's John, tough. Johnny Gregoric was a big one for us. He, he was, was awesome. technically. I mean, we'd had we'd had a handful of runners on, but he was technically like our first like true professional runner. I mean, we had we had Morgan on, who was I mean, Morgan's our guy, right? But he was he was still in college at the time, um, so we didn't have. I mean, uh, Lewis, who was kind of a professional runner. But Johnny was kind of our first like real pro that kind of gave us a lot of credibility in the in the pro world. Yeah, and how I'm about, looking through. Here. Go ahead. I was like, how about we talk about the the old school ones where we had you know a wide range of people. How about the interview with Steve Peralta? I know. Like, like, oh my god. Yeah. What a ridiculous. For, for those of you who don't know who Steve Peralta is, <laughs> he he works for Bleacher Report, but he does a, a Red Sox <laughs> podcast for Barstool Sports. Uh, in Section 10. It's a great podcast. I recommend it to any baseball fan out there. But he came on our podcast at the very beginning, and I remember him asking us, like, how do you guys do a podcast on running? And we were just kind of saying, I don't really know, but we're going to figure it out. But he was so cool. The fact that he, like, took time out for us, I thought I learned a lot from him. Such a yeah. professional in the way he answered it. That that was a really memorable one for me. Yeah, and, and like, that was something that I'm still not even sure 100% how it related to our podcast, but I think the three of us were all fans of his, yeah. and we got the opportunity to talk to him, so we took it, and it, it was it was very fun. The interview that I was thinking about referring to earlier, I'm just looking at it, remembering here now, was Chris Robertson. I feel like that was our first oh, Chris, episode. I, to I totally forgot yeah. about Chris. I felt like that was our first interview and episode where I felt like we kind of had something, we had something going on here. Yeah, Chris is the man. That was a lot of fun. And he kind of, uh, you know, he was a beer miler, but he was also kind of going for the trial. So he really did a good job of kind of like, you know, bridging the gap between like the obscure sport that we were trying to talk to and then also kind of the, you know, the mainstream running world. I feel like, uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't shout out our guy, Morgan McDonald, our first guest ever, our only repeat guest. I mean, Morgan, you know, kind of helped help start this thing. Oh. Yeah. Shout out to all of Wisconsin. They, have, <laughs> yeah. if you're just looking at the the best, you know, MVP team, uh, Monson, Hoare, McDonald, like that is a that's a power three right there, and they were all awesome. I enjoy talking to to every one of those people. 
Sinclair Johnson, awesome interview. She was great. She was great. Um, but anyways, we thank you to everybody that's kind of taken the time to to come on and, and talk with us. It's been a lot of fun, kind of you know getting to know people. I think we've made a lot of friendships uh, through this, uh, but it, but it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And to the listeners, like I said. If you're with us in year one, you're one of the OGs and, you know, um, you know, we're going to go as far as you guys take us. So if you guys could do all of us a favor and just tell one person you think that would like this podcast, just tell them about it. You know, just say, hey, you know, you know, whatever you listen to, whatever the reason you listen to this podcast, just tell them about it. Tell, tell us too. write a review. Yeah. Tell us, tell us what you told your friend. <laughs> yeah. Tell 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 them and just say. Um, you know, whether it's the, the guest, it's kind of our different approach to the to the sport. Just tell them about it and, and kind of spread the word because that's how we're going to grow as you guys. If you like me but not Mike and Steve, that's okay. Just tell them that. Say, say <laughs> listen to Trent. He's great. But uh, this has been this has been a ton of fun. You know, I, I've had so much fun doing this with, with you guys, and I'm really excited to kind of keep growing. But on that note, guys, Mike, what do you got for people on the bell? So basically for the bell app I got, you know, we kind of touched upon it before, but – I think we've done a lot of good things to this point, but our work is like so far from done. And in 2020, I think we have some really cool ideas. We're going to keep showing up to races. We're going to keep doing new things. I think we got some good ideas for videos and content moving forward. Um, And we just need, we're going to keep growing and growing and trying to get this sport to where we want it to be. And I I think that's what we got to remember is what the mission of this podcast is. Um, But with that said, if you guys are, listening and have any ideas for any kind of content or ideas on you know share your ideas for how we can grow this sport and how we can you know get people to start getting excited about this sport let us know hit us up on uh our our instagram dm us at at peak too early pod um and let us know your ideas and you know we'll start helping implement them and and keep growing the the brand here trent what do you got for people on the bell app uh, big big shout out to, to Father Time. Um, the boys here, we are all in jovial spirits. We are meeting tonight to, to talk a little running, do a little Pete Rally podcast. I thought it'd be fun to give a little insight into to our world of where we were yesterday. Um, we had all assembled in one place to watch a little football, watch the Patriots, clinch a bye, and then move on and do a little potting. Uh, and uh, needless to say that the game didn't really end up as we were hoping for, and all of our spirits were, were pretty low, and we... We kicked the can on recording and came back, you know, with our, our tails between our legs to our own homes. Um, but here we are today, and I, I feel good about it. And I just want to, like, get on the, the Tom Brady, you know, playoff Brady train right now. And, and I want to kick all that negative feeling. And he's still the greatest, or not still, he's the greatest playoff uh, player in any sport pretty much of all time. So uh, let's go Brady. Let's go Patriots. Lo- love to see the smiles on the boys' faces today. Uh, it's New Year in a couple days, or in like a week or so, once the New Year's you know, Eve really starts. But um, <laughs> it's it's exciting. So uh, just just thank you for all the time for for time heals all. I don't know if I'm fully healed yet, but you know we're on to Wild Card Weekend. We're on to to 2020. We're on to Tennessee, well, Steve. We're on we're on to Tennessee. But guys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike. Hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight. I don't want to lose your love tonight.
mistletoe or something. Is that Santa hat hanging from Trent's emergency sprinkler in his apartment? Uh, yeah. Yeah, what? that's what... What the hell? It doesn't even look good. It's like, um... <laughs> but what... I mean, it's there for a reason. I mean, it's there to save your life. I mean, you're you're covering it up. I maybe they were having uh, they were <laughs> try, burnt something cooking and was trying anything to stop this the alarms from going off. I don't know. There's I mean, there's no the, real. But hold on, what's the purpose of that? Is do you think it's decoration? <clears throat> See, the thing is, the only person or, who decorates that apartment is Megan, and I can't imagine Megan. There's no way. But it's okay. So this is definitely Trent's doing, right? There, there's no doubt about that. But do you I, think that I can't think, imagine it be Megan? No, it's definitely not Megan. It's I, well, I think we can we can assume that it is 100% Trent that did this. But let's. I want I want to get into kind of the psyche behind this. Do you think that he is trying to decorate his apartment with that, or do you think he is just looking for a place to hang his hat? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's decoration. The Santa hat? Yeah. <laughs> a place, that is a great place to hang a hat, though. Is there, is there, is there a story behind the placement there, or? Wait a second, wait a second. Who hung it? You or Megan? Megan. How do you like dumb oh, apples? Yes. Wow. We ruled that out as a, we ruled that out as a... 100% no possibility. So what happens if you have a fire? Uh, we don't get fires over here. <laughs> What's the last time I had a fire in my apartment? As soon as you are able, woman, I am willing to take the break that we are my cup is on the table I love is spilling Waiting here for you to take and drink up If you're tired of the same old story Oh, turn some